All right, so what's up? What's up? This is uh, those heathens over there. It's been a while, you know, with all the holidays and the, everything that's going on. So we are glad some of us could finally sit down and knock one out. Today, we got myself, Demarcus Black, that boy Ego, Vic Damone, and we got a, a guest speaker today, Wayne. Unfortunately, we weren't able to have Diana or T-Nice, but hopefully they can catch us on the next one. Two of the four topics that we have today actually came from suggestions from the fans. And since we have Wayne here today, two of his, the topics on here are his. Um, so the topics that we're going to go over today are, one, can one person fulfill or truly fulfill all the needs of another? Two, changes in child discipline or child raising from when we grew up to current. Three, how do people discuss mental health during dating? And then number four, ADHD, is it still a thing? Since two of those things are actually Wayne's, go ahead, Wayne, introduce yourself and, you know, take us to where you need us to be with this uh, topic. All right, man. So uh, first and foremost, I'll open up with uh, greetings and salutations to all the listeners that's out there. And uh, I'll, trans I'll, I'll jump into the conversation of ADHD and we'll walk that thing backwards, man. In my current line of business, I talk to a lot of young, young parents with uh, young children. And one of the big things that is going around right now is a lot of the students or the kids, especially in this virtual learning environment, they're, they're not being told that they have attention deficit issues, um, things that I commonly heard in my youth growing up. That language isn't there anymore. Now it's a lot of conversation of the kid just isn't interested. And growing up in the 80s, Back then, the conversation was, if you're not paying attention, if you're not interested, it's like, oh, you got uh, attention deficit disorder or hyperactive disorder, whatever the case may be. But now it's like, now nah, the kid just isn't paying attention. And I was curious to know, when did, when did that coin flip in the nation where they went from diagnosing people right off the bat with a case or a symptom to saying, ah, they're just not interested? It's, it's funny that you mention that because... I don't think I've really put much thought into it. It just seemed like it kind of faded away. And uh, I'm not as engaged with the youth as, as you are. But uh, as you bring up the, the talking point, I don't know if I really ever just completely bit off on the whole ADHD thing to begin with. Because like, I, I grew up I in the 80s as well. So, you know, <laughs> it was a discipline thing, right? Like, like you had to focus at school. You had to do this. You had to do that. Uh, and then when we came home, man, it was change your clothes and, and get outside and play and get 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 that energy out. Um, I think I re I equated the ADHD coming in when video games were really popular amongst young people and uh, and the discipline situation at home changed and kids were acting out more. There was there were more outbursts. There were more. Uh, disruptions in class or in school and things of that nature. And that's when I really noticed the whole ADHD really take off. Uh, that, I think, uh, the medical industry coined it. And they said, hey, we have a medication. We can make some money. So it's a, it's a big thing. Um, but I haven't, I haven't really been, been hearing anything new about it now. So I'm going to be uh, honest again. So for me, this is, is a little is, is, is a trick i know you laugh because i'm usually always honest but it's a tricky conversation because when i was growing up you know in the 80s you know all that good stuff um i actually had issues in school 
like the things that Vic was just saying about disruptions and, 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 and issues. That was, that was me. I would be in class and I would just, you know, tap a pencil or I would rat something out or I would just keep banging or whatever the hell that little thing was that bothered people. Um, and my mom told me, or, or my mom was told that I needed to get looked at or tested for ADHD or ADD. And she was like, no, she ain't going to do that. That don't make sense. That's not a real thing. Um, so we went with that. But what we did realize is that if I was in class and I was challenged, life was easy. I was 100% focused. I was in there getting it, right? But if there were things that were presented to me that I believed or I felt were below my knowledge level that like didn't require a lot of energy or effort, my attention span drifted from it rapidly. And I literally started doing anything and everything outside the hell I'm adult. I still do it now. Like I literally will, I will chime into one conversation and the minute that it doesn't interest me, I will clock out of it. It is what it is. I guess I'm kind of somewhat with Vic when he says, I'm not sure if ADHD or ADD is a real thing, or if it is just the person not putting enough emphasis on paying attention to something or investing interest into that thing. It's a rough one because I I know parents that their kids have been diagnosed with ADHD. The medicine they're prescribed helps that child focus in school and and uh, perform better and and get through those situations. Maybe maybe it's because I think like as a child maybe I should have been diagnosed with ADHD because I'm the class clown. I was always disrupting things. Was just a knucklehead, right? Um, not, not really focused academically, but, but turning around and seeing how I feel like a lot of parents wound up using it as a scapegoat, you know, not all, definitely not all, but, but some parents were, oh, well, you know, it's his, his ADHD is kicking in. Like, no, the kid ain't got no discipline, you know, and, and there's a difference there, you know, and, and there's hey, a difference there. there. That's the wife and I right now, like my son is diagnosed with ADHD. He's been taking meds for years. And um, earlier on, he would take the meds and, and my wife would be like, you know, you know, he's not focused. He needs to take his meds and he would take them and he would be focused. He'd be 100% laser focused on whatever he needs to do. However, I still was not good with the concept of what ADHD is or was. So I'm like, hey, man, you're this fucking age you should know this you should be doing this you should be focusing on this because i still wasn't accepting i wasn't accepting it a diagnosis being acceptable reason or excuse if you will of why he's not good or can't focus on a certain thing like i was still treating it as you know what you're a teenager you should be knowing this you should be focusing on this you should be paying attention to this but i can promise you that i do see the changes in when he takes his meds and when he doesn't when he takes his meds He's focused, he's calm headed, he's cool. When he's not, he is literally bouncing all over the damn place. And I'm literally yelling at him, but I literally have to bring myself back to a place where I'm like, hey man, did you take your meds today? No, dad. Take go take your meds, man. Go take go take your meds, and then we'll we'll give you 30 minutes and we'll rehash this when it when it makes sense. No, Marcus, and let that's... me take a page out of Vic Damone's book real quick. Let me let me play the advocate, right? Vic, you mind if I if I steal your uh, your mojo? No, by all means, I'm interested. All right. So two things can be true, right? He could very well 
not be focused when he's not on medication. And then the effect of the drug could very well make the person appear. I think when we look over time, we think about the college kid now that has 30 tests they need to cram for, 20 papers to write, whatever the case may be. They take some Ritalin, they get to where they need to be in theory, and they get the job done. That is the effect of the drug is it helps focus the person in. But does that mean that they have an attention deficit issue or is there just a genuine lack of interest and I'm in glad doing that and then go ahead. I'm glad you said that because talking to my I know from talking to my son that he has a general uh, lack of interest in certain things. And so those things do not get his attention till the last hour you have to get it done. Right. So I know that that's the part that I battle with all the time is that. Yes, you're taking a drug, which I don't like to take drugs unless I, unless I really think I need to. But you're taking a drug to give you that precise focus. But if you're the one still dictating on what that focus is aimed to and you still don't have an interest in this thing, then that thing's still not going to get done. OK, right. And, and that's that's part of it, too. Right. You take you take a medicine that is designed to do some or a drug that's designed to do something. Uh, and you prescribe it to someone, it's it's going to have that effect. It's, it's going to do what it was made to do. Are we over-medicating the, the, our children or our youth? You know, is it is it really a necessity? Because uh, like I said, I, I, I absolutely, I know parents, their children are great. They have great kids uh, diagnosed with ADHD. During the school year, that child takes that medicine. During the summer, they don't. And that's because there's not a school, there's not something that there's a belief of of a a necessary focus. There's not a a reason, right? Like it's summertime, go out and have fun, be a kid. Not being the parent myself, I don't necessarily notice the difference during the school year because I don't see any change in the summer. To me, it's the same child. So I look and and, and wonder, you know, across the board. Now it's a blanket statement, but you know, are we are we monitoring the medicine or are we using it as a, a pacifier for lack of better terms to kind of like call the mind of the child, right? Like, like how you explained about your son, you know, if he's, his focus is in all in different areas and he's, he's darting from one project to another project or one subject to another. And then you say, Hey, did you take your medication? And he said, no, no, I didn't. I didn't take it today. Vice, when he's on topic and on subject, he took his medication that day. You're seeing a difference. And that difference in a lot of cases becomes something that the parents uh, seek because it helps. It helps maintain the energy of the kid, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And, mm. and, and I'll and say, I'll this, say and this. And Marcus, you, you got added in authority. So do what you got to do. Um, but I've, I've, I've sat next to your son. And I've seen his attention to detail as a statistician for the organization that I was with a little while ago, where he kept detailed information on individual players that were running up and down the court. And the things that he was able to document from rebounds to assists to steals to points with no issue and no concern as this game is moving at full speed, multiple games in a row, it, it doesn't appear to me that there's an issue with his ability to pay attention. And I guess for me, when I when I make observations like that and I look back over the people I know, whether it's in my family or friends, cats I grew up with, 
Um, and then even some of the amazing individuals that I meet today, as far as the youth goes, I don't see a, a, an attention deficit issue. I see a, a lack of interest. And my hope, and the reason why I brought this topic up was I was hoping that maybe science and doctors have realized that it just, it's more than just popping a pill and that there's actually a way to challenge the minds of some of the brilliant individuals that we have running around here. And I think that's the part that was missed for our generation coming up is there's a lack of understanding of how to challenge many. So there was an overdiagnosis of what was going on back then versus today where the science has caught up, the therapists and doctors have gotten better and they now see, you know what, this is more of issue X instead of issue A. So the only problem with that is, and it's not necessarily a problem, um, but in my opinion, as we were growing up, we we may or may not have had interest in every subject that we went to school for, but we put forth the effort needed or required to pass those courses to move on with life. Whatever our motivations were. Bro, that's because we didn't want to get beat. <laughs> okay. That fear still that's exists. <laughs> that fear still exists. So that's I don't understand fact. what the problem is. But there are a lot more kids now who are um, actually like vocalizing. This doesn't interest me. So therefore, I don't care about it. Some of them are like, it's not going to affect my overall standing in life. It may or may not. I get that, right? But at the end of the day... You still have a, a task. You're given a task. You sit down. You're supposed to finish that task and carry on in life. For you to be able to choose not to care about something and think it's okay is unacceptable. Now, whether that's because of your interest or because of the medicine, I don't care, but it's, it's still unacceptable. Okay. What were, so, what were you going to say? Wayne or me? Wayne or whoever. Wayne got a comment. Go ahead. But I got I got some overall because I've been listening to y'all. Uh, right. The one thing I was going to say when DeMarcus was saying uh, that idea of freedom of choice or whatever, I just thought that's America. That's how we roll. We can pick and choose. But go ahead, DB. I mean, you're not wrong. Right. So I just kind of had to sit back because this topic. So my son uh, is actually diagnosed with ADHD as well. Um, first to Wayne's topic uh, or comment when he initially said um you know parents are now saying not using the term adhd rather using the term lack of interest i think that's because you know like you said we're now we're in where a lot of places are in a virtual environment and they actually get that more you know face-to-face -face time with their kid or they can actually see i do think that doesn't necessarily mean that the individual has adhd or lack of interest maybe the kid is just you know uh not using his time accordingly or whatever the case is right but for kids that like legitimately have ADHD, um, for example, my son. So when we first, when he was first diagnosed, we started using, uh, we did go the medication route. But what I did notice at least, and obviously every person is different in how they react to certain things. But what I did notice for my son was that he was kind of looking like zombie-ish. Uh, so he'd get, he'd be focused, but at the same time, he wouldn't like, you know, I'd like snap my fingers and then he kind of like, see that I was around him or, or whatever, you know? Uh, so as time progressed and it didn't last long, but we decided to not go the medicated route. And there are, there are alter alternatives out there. It's all about how you convey 
at least for my son, how I conveyed things to him. So what I did notice from him was it wasn't more of a telling him what to do. It was and, and expecting him to, to get it done. It was more of conveying it in a fashion where, so for him, he's very competitive. So c conveying it in a fashion where it's like, hey, man, you get this done, but then you get to do this, this, and that, right? So when he saw it as that and seeing that if he got to the finish line, one, he accomplished that, but then he can go on to the next task. So he's very, I don't want to use the word like micromanaged because uh, it wasn't really like that. But at the same time, it was more of a, that was kind of the approach that I had to take in order for him to to do things, even to this day. Uh, I mean, he's, he's 13 now and, you know, he, he's, he has his issues and things like that. But I think as a parent, I had to change certain ways that I had to talk to him about certain things or how to get things done. And, you know, we still have our hiccups here and there. But overall, he, uh, you know, I, I think I just took a different approach as a parent, myself and my wife. And understood it a little more. I actually, like, got educated on ADHD itself. But we just decided that the medicated route was not the route that we wanted to take because just have at least how I saw my son was reacting to it. And I didn't want to put, you know, like the actual issue of what he's diagnosed with and then just, you know, pump him up with a bunch of medication. That's just something that I'm not very fond of uh, or my family isn't very fond of unless we, like the Marcus said, absolutely need to. I think we have it under somewhat of control. And, uh, to the comment of us being scared to get beat. Yeah, that's how I was. Cause I do feel like even though I wasn't diagnosed that I do have some, you know, some sort of ADD, ADHD. I notice myself, like if I'm talking to somebody, for example, I, I, I notice that I'm always pacing. So I can be, I can be relaxing, doing something. If somebody calls me and we're talking, I automatically get up and I like literally pace back and forth wherever I'm at in the house, at work or wherever. So I got three things. Okay. Three. First off, I was never afraid of being beat. Okay, God damn it. Yes, I got beat. Wasn't afraid of it. Uh, second thing is, back to... You wasn't getting uh, beat hard, hard enough. Yeah, yeah you was getting spanking. Second part of that is talking to or hearing Wayne's part. I, yes, you can pick and choose. That's the freedom of America. But in my opinion, if you're a fucking child and you're going to school... And you're you're in the phase of your life where you get to pick your fucking classes and you pick your classes and now you decide that they don't interest you and you're fucking failing. One, you should have fucking dropped those fucking earlier. But two, if you kept them, then you better fucking take your ass in there and fucking get good grades. And I don't give a fuck what your goddamn excuse is or how much you don't have interest in it. That's your fucking fault. Figure the fuck out. OK, and damn, I don't forgot my third fucking point. Oh, no, I remember my third point. My third point was um, the virtual learning for me, I think, is for a hit or miss because my daughter is awesome. Like she'll, she's got A's and B's. She pays attention to everything. I have to check on my son every maybe hour or hour and a half. He's watching YouTube videos and then got the thing on mute, but he's listening to the class allegedly and all this. And I know other parents who have the same issue who like, I think T nice said it. Like he said that his, his son was in class and he had put it to where like it was a, a recording that kept playing back and back, but homeboy was like playing a video game or something like that. So I think the virtual learning is a hit or miss. I don't think it's catered to everyone, but it's it's what we're working with currently. It's a rough subject because you're dealing with so many different facets of family life. Like Ego just said, you know, 
he wasn't real keen on the medication and that's that's a family standpoint so he looked at different different avenues of approach like i said i know someone during the school year child takes medication during the summer they don't because that's where they feel like where they need the they need that added focus some minds actually work real well when the mind itself is overstimulated or or multitask and they can focus heavily on one thing so you might have some music playing in the background or something else going on but you're focused on your schoolwork or on writing assignment or, or whatever the case is so in the end they call for me, that the kinesthetic mind is that what that's called yeah con- what is it kinetic yeah. yeah is it kinetic like yeah, kinetic yes. learning I'm- yes i agree my son is that guy he would rather have hands on things building things figuring out how it works than just being talked to and i i'm the same way so i i, I can i can deal with that right so i think i think adhd is definitely a real thing uh, i think for a long time there was an over an over diagnosis there was a a huge we must prescribe something for this thing um and then to Wayne's earlier point, I think that the approach to it has matured. Uh, and, and so we don't see it quite as much. We don't hear about it quite as much because there are different steps uh, that have been put in place, I think, uh, to try and uh, shape that thinking. Well, I, here's my question. Has it really matured or are we just so concerned about the current pandemic and things that are going on that we don't put as much focus or emphasis on anything else because there's no other option like you're doing virtual learning so whether whether you have ADD or ADHD it doesn't matter like you're going to be sitting home in front of a laptop until schools open back up yeah but I'll be well, honest that's not I, the case for everybody though yeah and, and I really haven't heard I haven't heard much about ADHD and I would probably say the past five to six years but I remember like from I'd probably say like 98 to 2008, like ADHD was all over the place. Like that was, that was the thing. Oh, you know, why is your kid running around? Oh, he has ADHD and taking his medicine, you know, no, he sure. drank three bottles you, of surge. You, yeah. You know, the, the kid, yeah, the kid yeah, has yeah, a mountain dew in his back pocket, you know, like what would you expect? So that, that's why I say, yeah. I think things have, have matured a little bit in regards to the, uh, the immediate diagnosis of ADHD. I don't dismiss it, but I, I think that, you know, people are looking at things like, okay, well, let's, let's get to the root of the problem and not just throw some medication at it just to, to silence the child. You know what I mean? And that's what I appreciate about Dago's point is he looked at a situation, considered the options and discovered new opportunities based on that individual person to be able to say, let's get you to where you want to be. And he said, hey, the finish line is here. You need hurdles in order to get to the end state. So let me give you these hurdles, let you know you clear hurdle one, clear hurdle two, clear hurdle three, and you get to that point of success. I, I appreciate you sharing that with us, man. Thank you. Yeah, for sure, man. It's uh, And it's definitely one of those things where it, I mean, it still isn't easy, but at least identifying that and taking that new approach uh, was definitely difficult, not just from his perspective, but also from our perspective, because um, at least initially we had to be really, really on top of him. Uh, just like DeMarcus was saying, like, or, or whoever, or when he was using T nice as an example where his son was essentially recording the class or whatever, but then playing video games, 
the, so he's back in actual school now, but when virtual learning out here, at least was for the last, you know, six months or whatever prior to he, I literally had to go check on him. If I didn't physically check on him, you know, one, I'd identify that he's fucking off. Right. But then two, you know, I can make sure that he's actually going in the right direction. Um, now as a parent, I don't know if that's, you know, he's 13. At what point do you, do you say, okay, now you're at this age, you should be able to do this on your own without dad or mom being here. I don't know. I haven't, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know what, what age or, you know, at what point of his life does it, do I need to kind of remove myself a little more or start kind of fading away? Uh, but, you know, as of right now, if I, if I don't, I know for a fact that when I go check on him, let's say it's been, you know, like two hours, three hours. I know that if I haven't checked on him somewhere in between there, that he's doing what he's not supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's tough. And and, uh, and please believe, uh, don't think I'm over here not, you know, whooping his ass. I mean, definitely I, I am pro, you know, pro uh, disciplinary action physically. I mean, I know a lot of people aren't, but at the same time, um, I know when I need to and when it's when it's the approach that I'm taking right now. So don't you know, don't think I'm I'm over here living like the Brady Bunch. It's definitely not like that. But, you know, I just try to try to take different approaches because I'm trying to understand him a lot better, especially now that he's 13, turning 14 here in a couple months. So, I, you know, I understand not just the distractions are different. You know, you got. Well, obviously, so he's not he on any tell. social media, but, you know, he's got the puberty aspect. He's got girls. He's got actual school. He's got, you know, there's so much more electronically, at least out there than when we were growing up. And I feel like all that is also a distraction, even for me. I mean, at, at 35, I feel like, you know, I could put my phone down for a second and then like two seconds later, I'm grabbing it. And I really didn't have a reason to grab it but it's in my hand. And then I put it back down. I'm like, why the hell did I even grab my phone? And it's just that habit. So I just can't imagine, you know, with everything that we have now, just finding a good balance, at least for, you know, my kids here in the house. With that being said, I think it's a good time to, uh, to transition because we, we covered the uh, ADHD and the ADD thing, but we're starting to slide into the next topic of, the changes between um, child discipline and child rearing. So I'm kind of glad you started talking about that, DB. Uh, when you sit down and look at it, like how do you think your disciplinary process is different from when you were growing up as a child? And why did it have to change or how did it change? Uh, my mom just whooped my ass. I mean, sometimes I just look in the, happen to be looking wrong and I get hit. Not saying that, you know, my upbringing was wrong, but she was a very old fashioned person for the most part my dad worked about six days a week so i really only got to see him on sundays you know he'd work like it, he'd be out the house at like 6 30 in the morning and i wouldn't see him till you know about 6 30 in the evening or 7 p.m and it was really just dinner and you know at us right when you get home from work at least like the last thing not saying that you don't spend time with your families or whatever but you just kind of want that decompression time or whatever. So that's really all I got from my dad during the week. So a lot of my FaceTime uh, was with my dad or with my mom rather. And uh, she was a disciplinary in the house. I know that if my dad had to intervene, uh, that it was bad because 
dad didn't play either but at the same time i didn't get disciplined much from him and i knew like it was one of those things where if my dad had to jump in it was like last last resort and it was it was gonna not be good but my mom uh, had a pretty hard upbringing you know she she comes from actually yeah i never mentioned this she comes from colombia so you know i'm first generation here in or in america so it was a lot different i grew up a lot differently than she did i'm sure that it was probably a lot harder for her coming up but from from my perspective now with my kids not that i don't believe in hitting like i i mentioned before i don't do it as often uh, especially now that my kids are are older but i do every now and then have to dig into that bag especially when they were growing up definitely wanted them not to do certain things and you know certain talking or whatever i took away from them wasn't working so i guess that or that resulted to me you know spanking uh the latest thing that i do with my son now is i don't know he thinks he's mr tough guy from time to time he tries to buck up and I'll just tell him, you know, straight up. I put my hands behind my back. And I'll be like, go ahead, get the first lick, man. I know you want it. And then I was like, but it better be good because if it ain't good, it's a wrap for you. But that's, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at you right old. now. Hey, I'm waiting for it, man. I mean, again, he get a good one, whatever. It is what it is. Eventually, I'll get up, though. Don't please don't get Jake right. Paul. You're going to get Jake Paul. Hey. <laughs> Nate Robinson. Once he gets you, though. Nate Robinson. I don't want you to end up like Nate Robinson. Worst part is with this social media and everything that's going on, he probably find a way to record it, man. I'll end up just like Nate Robinson. If I see all world, bro, if all I see world that, star hip hop. If I see that, I'm I'm like, I don't even know that man. <laughs> but yeah, man. I don't know, man. To, to go ahead, man. To hit your topic, Demarcus, the the focus for me. I grew up real different, so I was latchkey. And in other words, I, when I came home, there was not an adult present, right? So I either did what I had to do or did what I wanted to do. But as long as by the time my mother came home from work, my checklist of responsibilities were covered, life was good. My issue was I didn't have to get beat in order to be disciplined. My mother would raise her voice and I would turn into the biggest baby known to the world. Like I'm literally tears rolling down my face. You'd have thought that I'd have got hit with the cat and nine tails the way that I stand there and cry the moment she would raise her voice. When she beat me, I was like, oh, whatever. That's physical pain. That's nothing. No, when she didn't express any emotion, she just swinging the bell like that was that was cake. But when she's raising her voice, man, I turned into a straight cupcake. I'm sitting there, tears all over the place. It was ridiculous. I say that to say now I've learned through words, through tone, through all the different methods that there's so many ways to illustrate and drive a point across that a little voice inflection goes a long way. I'm not against corporate punishment, but it just has to fit the crime. So example, toddlers putting hand or you know, device inside of electrical socket for the sake of being extremely ridiculous, that will rate me popping a hand. But if you, you know, I go into your room, your room's just a mess, then, you know, in that scenario, it's just a conversation of a, you know, very disappointed in your lack of respect for the things that you've been gifted with. So. Well, I mean, popping a hand and whooping an ass is a completely, different. completely different thing. Man, I say a toddler. <laughs> You're right. That's the, that's the, that's the example that you used. I'm not too far from where you were in your upbringing. I'm glad you said latchy kid because I didn't know what the actual term was, but I was the same to an extent. My parents were not married, so my dad kind of floated freely, um, if you will. 
But my dad was not big on oh, beating. Hey, I'm not calling it anything. I'm just saying floating freely. But he was not big on beating me. He was like, we're going to talk about this till it makes sense and we're good. My mother, however, she realized to compensate, she had to be overly aggressive. So she beat me all the time um, to whereas my dad didn't. If my mother beat me again, like you said, it was just physical pain. I did. I, I kind of let it roll off my shoulder. I said, OK, if this is what I did to make you mad and you hit me, I'm going to make you even matter because I'm going to do this next. Or if they yelled at me, I instantly got I wasn't like unlike you, I didn't get yelled at and say, oh, man, I should tone it down. I got yelled at. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to tone it up. You're yelling at me. I feel some kind of way about this. I'm going to take it to this next level. Luckily, that does not resonate in my children, but it makes it difficult for me to figure out a good or stable parenting style. For my daughter, yes, raising my voice gets her attention and she's she's good. For my son, he's a 16. He's a teen now. So it was no longer me yelling at him, which I don't want to do or th don't think I need to do. So I try to talk it out. But sometimes when we talk it out, it leaves room for interpretation to where you have. And yes, you do. You have an opinion. Right. But if I'm telling you that this is where we are and this is what I need from you and you're going to try to talk me down from what I've tasked, I have given you, um, it, it adjusts or changes the conversation, which is escalates pretty rapidly so sometimes i have to figure out how to not escalate because like you said i'm i am used to or I'm familiar with uh beatings and i have no problem with beating you but it, it doesn't it, it's not a beating it's not there, there's no belt coming out like you're you're probably gonna catch these hands oh gosh yeah i mean and that that's that's where you gotta find like like you said per kid right it's different like you know what you can do with your daughter you know what you can do with your son, I think we've even had these types of conversations when we're talking about uh, maturity between males and females and just how different they are for my son. So I, I have three girls in the house and, and a son. And, you know, I, one, I feel bad for the guy, a house full of girls, <laughs> you know, it, it's and then it's, especially when I'm off, when I'm off at work and stuff. It's just him, especially when hey, I'm gone for time, long periods of time. If you so feel like, bad right, for man. him, you got to feel bad for yourself. I, I do. But I look at I look at it from from his perspective, and I, I think that's where I see where I've grown. Before, it was just, especially when he was a little younger, it was just like he did this, and it could have been big or small. Not I'm not even going to get into much detail, but if he did something, it was like immediate reaction going far and to the right. As he's grown and I've understood him a little more. And the, the worst part about it is, man, as I understand him more, I see me. I see me when I was 13. And that's where I, I think and, I am right now as well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, damn, like, this is, this is me. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm battling essentially with myself, right? In a sense. And I try to take a different approach and I try to see it because I, I think I can kind of relate with him a lot more than my parents were able to relate with me. And what I mean by that is, you know, growing up in Queens, New York, you know, hip hop background, like all I, you know, all I listened to, I was, I was uh, raised in, in a predominantly Hispanic and, and black neighborhood. So my parents really couldn't relate with me as much 
And I feel like although I don't do exactly what my son does or listens to what he listens to or whatever, I feel like I have a, a better connection than, you know, immigrants coming from Colombia. Right. So, you know, just being able to relate and try to and, and I do take the more talking things out approach because I'm trying to understand why he does certain things. And I think that's something that I didn't do a lot of before was, hey, why did you do that? You know, or what led to you doing that? So what I, did you think was going to come out of you doing that? So I think that's my sticking point recently or, or currently. Um, he has a hundred different emotions and opinions, but he won't share them with his mother and I. So if we say something to him and what we want or what we expect, there's mumbling. There's a lot of mumbling going on. And I instantly go into, hey, man, um, if you're going to fucking be a man or be an adult, how about you stop fucking mumbling? Because if you if it's fucking worth saying, fucking say it. And then it just it just kind of like he doesn't say anything else. But the times that I can get him to actually okay. like dial in and explain to me what the deal is. It's, it's an awesome relationship. We're able to work through it and say, OK, I get what you're saying. OK, don't do this because of that. Or I see why you think I'm upset with you or whatever, whatever that is. But it's getting him to actually expend the energy to explain why that's difficult. Yeah, but that's. That's him growing. That's his maturity. Him going through puberty, all the, all the, uh, the emotions that he's dealing with, the changes, and everything that's going on inside of him, coming out in a way that that he doesn't know how to express. But the problem is that with that is again, if you're going to mumble it, and your mother and I are telling you, "Hey, man, just say what you have to say, so we can see where you're coming from." and see if we're coming from a, the wrong place and we can adjust. But if you're not going to say anything or you're just going to, or you're just going to brush it off. Like it don't even matter. I don't care. I'm going to just go. Then, then it makes it harder for us to address it. And then my wife, she can, she can, you know, glaze over that all she wants to. But for me, it, it, it strikes a nerve to where it's like, you know what? Well, if you're not willing to invest in talking about this, God damn it. Then I don't, I don't want to invest in time talking to this either. Like, cause you're 16 now. You, you can say what you need to say. And if you say it, we can address it and talk through it. But it's almost like it's more of a burden or annoyance for him to actually sit down and talk to us than it would be for just him to like, hey, this is why I'm feeling this way, X, Y, and Z. Hey, man, let me offer this thought to you. So earlier you made a statement in reference to things not really being open for negotiation. When you say it, it is what it is. You need to get on board or deal with the consequence. I would, if it's me, if I'm in, if I'm on that side of that conversation, even if I have something that I want to express, if the consequence could possibly be that I got to deal with this punch to the chest that's about to come, it, it might just be worth me bottling that, it up. That hey, is listen. something that shouldn't be overlooked. That Those punches to the chest, allegedly, don't just come from because you won't open up. They come from you've bucked up enough to where you think you make decisions in this house. I've asked you nicely to do something. I've suggested you do something. I showed you or told you the consequences of you not doing that. Hey, you know what? Hands. I, I hear that. And, and Wayne, if, if I'm wrong, please correct me. But what I'm hearing him say is what what you're doing is you're you're putting a wall right behind what you're saying. You're saying, this is the line, there's nowhere through it, like that's it. If I'm the child and I don't agree with it or I'm, I wanna say something, at that point, 
I know the conversation is pointless, and so I'm not going to express it. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing Wayne say is basically when you say this is not up for debate, this is not up for discussion, and then you ask me how I feel about it, like you already told me you don't want my opinion on it. You don't, you're not interested in what I'm saying because you've already told me that it's not really up for discussion. So the problem with that is, is that that's not the approach to every situation. If right, I sometimes PS4s get broken. No, you you ain't wrong. But here's the thing: if I tell you, <laughs> since you were two years old, don't eat in your room, or if you do eat in your room, clean up. You have an option: either don't eat in your room, or if you eat in your room, clean up. But you're 16, not go in your room, and there's food behind your bed, and there's bugs and other things like that. Listen, listen, man. I've talked to you multiple times. This specific thing here is not up for discussion. Because this is, should be something that's simple that should be able to be fixable at your level. But other things such as, you know, you, you can name a hundred different things. Hey, why are you getting a bad grade on this? Dad, listen, I, I only got a bad grade on this because of, you know, the teacher hasn't graded it yet. Okay, cool. I get that. That We can discuss that. If it shows up as a D right now, just stay on top of it. Email him. Make sure he knows he needs to grade it and then let us know so we can address it. Those are simple things, right? Those are easy fixes, easy conversations. If I walk into the house... And you're yelling at your mother. Okay, that that in no way, shape, or form is up for discussion. Like, come here. What were you trying to tell her that you felt like you had to yell about because she wasn't understanding? If you can talk to me like you got some sense, okay, we can figure it out. If you decide you want to walk over to my section or to my corner and start yelling, hands. Like, you, you out your goddamn mind. Hands. <laughs> that is a... That, I... I I think that's part of him maturing, right? Uh, and, and the reason I say that, I think all everybody goes through their rebellious phase where they, they believe they're more independent and more capable than they truly are, right? Like, I can agree with that. It, for, for this example, for, for this example, your son is 100% capable of doing everything for himself until he walks out the door and realizes he doesn't have a place to stay if y'all don't open it back up. True. So while he's in the house, you know, he wants to express himself. He's going to get real big and he's, I don't know, yell, argue, huff, puff, do whatever it is. And, and that's part of him maturing. When he's 23 years old, he may look back and say, man, pops, I'm sorry I did whatever it was I did, you know. I would, I would hope so. But like I said, his mother is probably the easiest one to get along with and adjust and talk to. So for it to get to my level, to me to address it, I mean, we all in this room know me. Like, it's it's not going to... I literally had a discussion with him. Like, I said, hey, if you were anyone else, my level of respect would not exist. Like, the fact that I'm even attempting to pretend like I care is something. But for me, I mean, it, again... Bruh. Listen, I don't care. He is 16. At this point, you either know or you don't know. You you want it to be that way because maybe that's the way you understood it. Or maybe even worst case scenario, you understand it now and you're having a difficult time trying to figure out why he can't understand it. Maybe. But again, like I said, when I was growing up, it was my mother and I and then the, my dad who came in when he needed to. If I came home, my mom wasn't there. I had to cook food. I had to finish my homework and I fucking went to bed. When I got up in the morning, she was already gone for work. She left me money. I would walk to the corner store. I would get a hoagie. I would walk my ass to school, make sure I was there on time. Like, those are the things that I dealt with. 
Like you are living in life in which almost everything that you need is handed to you or it's right there in your grasp. What could be the problem right now? And if so, if there is a problem, please explain to me what it is. Please explain to me why you can't wake yourself up on time, why you can't throw food in the trash, why it takes me having to yell at you to get you to do it. Because I've, I've, I've asked you to do it. I've talked to you about doing it. So now I'm going to take that next step to where it's like, I'm going to step outside and I'm going to get a little bit louder because it seems like that's all you understand at this point in time. I don't, I wouldn't say that's all he understands. I, I would say that that's where you see results. And that's a problem. I have to say not having kids of my own, I'm the last person to really be able to offer advice on like the appropriate disciplining or raising of, of children. I hope for myself that I'm able to find what communication venue or avenue of approach works before it becomes physical. I'd like to believe in myself that I'm patient enough to try and figure out what that's going to take. You know, it may not be option A, B, or C. You know, we may get to one alpha and two, two Bravo before we figure out what it is, but I hope that I'm patient enough to get to where we can have a conversation vice it being physical. But what Wayne said earlier, definitely agree with. Like, if you're going to touch the hot stove, no, nah, you're getting popped for that. You're going to put your hand on the electric socket? No, nah, we, we need to stop that right now. You need to know that that hurts. There's a, a physical consequence that's, un, that's, that's not favorable. You know what I mean? But he did something. That's a, that's a conversation. But, yeah, it's a, I, I definitely agree. It's different with every human. It's different in every household. There is a level of there's a difference between what renders results and what's efficient and effective for the long term, because I think it for the men that are sitting on this uh, conversation right now, all of us could roll back our our current traumas, so to say, to our childhood in some capacity that dictates how we interact with people whether it's males, females, family, friends, whatever that relationship may be, those things that we grew up with, they molded today's worldview of what is appropriate communication, interaction, discipline, et cetera. So just, I think it's, whenever I'm interacting with mine, it's always a matter of me, me reminding myself that the thing I'm about to say and the thing that I'm about to do is gonna have a lasting impact for years to come. So I shouldn't, I really have to make sure that I get it right. And that's why before I let you electrocute yourself, I'm gonna put this pressure on you. But if you're just doing something that that could be tweaked with conversation or voice inflection, I'm gonna offer that as well. But I believe everything we do and we put out there to, towards that child is definitely gonna have a lasting impact on how they reflect and how they respond to matters as they grow in life. And I think we, we hear the language of girls with daddy issues and the thing we don't hear enough about is guys with mommy issues. Um, but I think those are things that that's where they come from is these types of interactions between the parent and the child are the lack thereof. I, I agree with that. I'm still here. I'm that. still eating. That I mean, we're kind of like pushing, pushing time right now. So we're gonna roll into: Can one person truly fulfill all the needs of another person? Do you, what have you guys ever thought about that, or what's your uh, 
your input on that? I've actually uh, thought about this quite a bit in the past, actually. It was mentioned by somebody. I think it's a really good topic. So personally, I don't think that somebody can do that. However, it doesn't make that individual or that individual, your partner, doesn't make a bad person or anything like that. I just don't think it's possible to fulfill every single need, if that makes sense. I just, I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot to ask for. Like uh, the the young lady um, who suggested this topic, uh, Madeline, um, was coming from a place of saying, hey, to go into a relationship knowing who a person is and then thinking that you could change them or um, make them better in some cases is, is part of the discussion of fulfilling um, those needs. Because at the end of the day, we, we know what we want or expect from somebody. So if we are sitting down thinking that, hey, this person doesn't fit this thing that I need, but hopefully over time they can adjust is it's a is a big ask. I think that knowing knowing your partner and knowing yourself are that's what's going to answer that for you. You if if you know that your partner's needs and you're willing to to change those things and fulfill those things, that's on you. But they may not be willing to do the same thing for you. I can track uh, that. I can I can follow that. Then that makes sense. It's, it's self awareness. I think understanding your your situation, understanding your own maturity, and how that's gonna like play an effect play effect in the relationship. Okay, I can live with that. So I think it's been a while since most of us have dated. But when we did date, from you guys' experience, did you have? a go-to for different things like she could cook so i'm with her for this or she she's good with you know me being able to talk to her and express xyz and it's like different spots that people feel i think it's uh i think that's a a tough one is it so yeah because it's not so much that you go to them for certain things like everybody has their strengths and their weaknesses correct especially in the dating realm but you you go to it for what you want like, what's your preference in that moment? So, although her strength might be cooking, I don't mean I'm necessarily going over there because she's great at cooking. She might be great with conversation, and it just so happens she can cook. So, it's, it's a tough one for me to put them in that one box. So that's so that's the question, though. So, like, is it realistic to think that there is one person for you that can fill every box? I say for me, it's a choice. Okay. I choose to say that what this person brings to the table is sufficient. And I choose to say that what you're bringing to the table isn't enough for me. So I'm going somewhere else to look. But it's 100 percent my choice on whether or not I choose to be satisfied. And some may hear that as settling. But I choose on whether or not I'm satisfied for what you bring to the table, knowing that that's a part of your character, who you are as a person. I like that. answer. I can, I can respect that answer. That, that brings me back to that discussion of we know that there are people who have discussions about the concept of changing people, the concept of, you know, he or she isn't good at this this yet, but, you know, I can help them grow or make them better to be good at this thing. Is that is that realistic? I don't like that. I mean, I don't think anybody would per se, but. No, I, I don't think that the person changes 
or what I mean to say is I don't, I don't think you can get somebody to change. Correct. That person will change if they feel like they can grow with you, if they, if they want to, right? Like that, that person needs to make that change themselves. Okay. And they need to make it for themselves. If the person changes for you, that's a front. That and, and it, the it, idea of changing somebody on purpose is rather narcissistic. It is. For you to look at the person and be like, you know what? I need you to change something about your character. But uh, based on my personal feelings. Yes, but the, the crazy part about that conversation is that if that is the case, if there is a, a something identified that you would want to change in a person, then what is the purpose or point of you being with said person? Um, especially if you understand that they are not willing to change in that moment in time. Because there are some people that are like, hey, I don't want to have kids. I never want to have kids. I'm not going to have kids. And then they get together and they're like, you know, I'm willing, I'm willing to accept that for this period of time in life. But then as they get older, you know what, maybe he or she will change their thoughts or they'll change their minds or change their opinions about this topic and just give it some time and we'll see what happens. Like, is that realistic? It's a realistic situation. I, I know people say that, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like that other person laid down their ground rules in the very beginning. 100%. So you accepted that when you continued the relationship. Yep. And and as you go forward, you're you're expecting them to change because of what you want. Yep. And the reality is they already said like this is where I'm at. Yeah. So you you're also, doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. And I think the other side to it is understanding their why. Every, every person has something that drives them to a certain decision. And, you know, when people get new information, they can change their mind. Their circumstances change. They can do something different. But that's on them. The idea of me looking at a person and saying, I want to be with you until you change your mind, I think that's a little sketchy. Okay. Now I think that's pretty real, realistic. If you staying with somebody or you chose to stay with that individual, knowing what their uh, like the ground rules that they laid out at first. Yeah. So I'm gonna take it back to Wayne. So if you're just go ahead. Okay. I just think if you're just sticking around and expecting that person to change, um, you're holding on to some false hope. Now, if you really, really, really care about the individual and you're willing to accept whatever they bring forth, and that's one thing. But if you're just staying with them because you hope that they're going to change a certain topic about anything, not just kids, that is something that you're being, you know, it's just unfair, I guess. I yeah. agree with what Wayne said in the beginning. Like, I, I think it is wholeheartedly a choice to say, hey, listen, I see what the picture looks like. I know what you're telling me that you're. Um, bringing to the table. I see what you're bringing to the table. And I, again, he didn't use the word subtle, so I'm trying to stay away from that. But you you tell yourself or you can realize, you know what? I see that there are some things that I wish at this time were better. They are not. Okay? But this is the person that I want to be with. This is the person that I'm choosing to be with and not dabble with anything else on the left or the right. And the markers to add to that concept, right? It's this, I have this concept in my head, like the 80-20 principle. I'm sure other people have heard about it too, but 
I don't believe that no one's going to bring 100%. I, I agree. But 80% of the things that I'm looking for when I when I invest into a person for a relationship, it has to be there for me to commit. It, I don't need to have that other 20%, but that 80% should be there. And that's that's kind of my baseline for it, man. And and taking that example, I think with that 80-20, you can lay the other 20 out on the table and say these are these are other things that I appreciate or other things I like or other things that bring me a certain level of fulfillment. And you can allow your partner to work on those things on their own. And you may, you may start to see some of those things come to fruition as the relationship matures. Yeah. Because if, if we're not careful, that 20% that's out there could have us ruin what's actually a very good thing. So keeping our eyes on the big picture is important. I don't think any of us are at a point where we're without error. So I think keeping our eyes on what's really important, those things that are deal breakers to us, keeping that in, into perspective, because like, if you can't make food from scratch, like that's not, that's not enough for me to say that you're a horrible person. Like I, I, I can read a cookbook, I got this, but there's some other things in reference to character that can't be sacrificed, so. Which is what, what are, we, what are we talking here? I would say integrity, integrity is huge. It's one thing to to make a mistake. It's another thing to live in that mistake. I think that's a big. I think that's a big thing, currently. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else got anything else? I, I like I said. I think it's it's up to both people, their maturity in the relationship, and I definitely need to know if you you're down, um, as in like ride or die. Like I need somebody that's going to be in my corner, um, you know, no matter what the circumstance might be. I think that's something that's really big to me, um, along with like crust, obviously. But that's something that I, you know, like Wayne was saying, you know, there's certain things and deal breakers that certain things that I can live, you know, with. And then there's some absolutely I can't have this this trait in this individual. It really takes a lot to to not be able to be compatible with a person. At least for me, I'm a pretty simple person. But at the end of the day, there are some things, and I think that person just. Being at your corner, no matter what the circumstances, uh, shows a lot about that individual. Okay, okay. For me, uh, I'm not as simple. Um, so uh, I know Wayne said integrity. I know uh, you said ride or die. For me, it's it's understanding. Like there has to be a certain level of communication and understanding provided to allow me to fully invest. Without that, it feels empty. I mean, that's the the best term I can actually come up with. It feels empty, so I couldn't. I I don't think I could work around that. But other than that, I mean, we got any last notes on this one before we move on to the next? That will bring us to our last topic if y'all don't have any save rounds. So that last topic is actually yours again, Wayne. It's the uh, how do people discuss mental health when dating? I look at a lot of adults today. Um, we can look at the we can look at it from a divorce rate perspective. We can look at it from the jumping in and out of relationship perspective, so on and so forth. But the biggest piece is I think there's a lot of challenges that we as adults have when it comes to the mental health side of things that we don't address. And we find ourselves so deeply engaged with someone's representative that by the time we figure out who they truly are, we are, uh, we're, we're, we're gone. We're far gone. And this, this conversation topic for me is spun up from a clip that I saw on social media in reference to a man with schizophrenia who 
ended up killing his wife, our girlfriend, and their two-year-old child. And it's one thing to knowingly be in a relationship with a certified person that has schizophrenia. Um, it's another thing to to not know. But I guess the question I ask myself, because at, at my age, over the past 20 plus years, I've gone on a lot of dates and I met a lot of women. And I can't recall on a single time in all seriousness, wherever I, where I've ever looked across the table or whatever the case may be and said things like, like, how crazy is your family? Like, I've never tried to get a true gauge on what I'm walking into as far as what that relationship looks like. It's always surface level interactions and surface level conversations. It's never anything about building for the long term is one of the things that I individually have looked back on and said, I don't have those conversations. So you bring up some definitely bring up valid points and discussion topics. I think at the surface level, if that's what you're looking for in a relationship at the moment, you're not going to dive any deeper. And sometimes, often, quite oftentimes, those surface level relationships develop into something more. I think for a long time, we have issues addressing our own mental health and our own challenges and struggles we face because we're still insecure about them. And oftentimes, depending on the, the social circles you run with, any type of disability, whether it be physical, mental, anytime you can't perform at your best, you know, it's viewed negatively. So you don't necessarily want to open up and expose yourself to somebody you're interested in in fear they're going to persecute you, ridicule you, and then leave you, right, after you're doing nothing more than trying to be honest. So I think a lot of times we, we keep that. I think it probably took me, it was at least a year before some of those discussions came out. Like me dealing with different PTSD issues and things like that, like trying to explain the situation, why it came about, what I deal with now, like what are, what are the triggers, what things, you know, set that off. And I was really fortunate to be well-received in a lot of different areas uh, to the point now where when we go to an event or we go to an outing, uh, she takes care and concern as to, to what's going on around me to make sure that those triggers don't present themselves uh, without me having some, some lead time, basically. Uh, and an example is uh, we, went out, we went out and had uh, lunch not too long ago. And the group of us were walking to a table. And she knows that, like, I will start to shut down and I will get real reclusive if I can't see the doors and I can't follow who's coming in and out of a building. She has some ideas to what that stems from or, or the recent events and, and where, that, where that comes from. So as we were walking to the table, somebody went to go sit in the chair that she knew I wanted to sit at. And she said, no, he's sitting here and I'm sitting here. And it was really, really smooth. It wasn't like a big fuss about it. She handled the situation and nobody batted an eyelash, but I saw the whole thing unfold. 
and it was it was really big for me and it always is when she does those kind of things so that's one of the the benefits that i've taken out of being able to open up and express what's going on inside my head man i tell you it sounds like it would feel really good to be known and seen in that level of raw authenticity by someone and then to have them work with you in that nurturing capacity to make sure that you're always going to be good. That's, that sounds like a real good type of love. Right yeah, there, absolutely. I appreciate that. It, it, uh, it, it really is. I don't even know how to, to describe it, you know, outside of, um, it, it's helped me out a lot. It's, it's, it's helped me personally grow. And, uh, oftentimes I'll see little things that say, you know, you can either be comfortable or you can grow. You can't do both. And uh, I don't know if I believe in that because I'm I'm very comfortable yeah. and I'm growing. And the, the more I grow, the more comfortable I become. Okay. Okay. And it's, it's, I think it's the it, same, vice versa. Go ahead, Ego. Yeah, so I think it comes with maturity, uh, for one. So the topic said dating, but it, it could be any any form of relationship. And at least for me personally, uh, I have to be extremely comfortable with that individual. So I've been married for quite some time and I kind of look back and reflect on where my relationship was uh, as far back as when we first met and we were friends to when we started dating to marriage. Right. And I see that the way we communicate now obviously has blossomed. I can, I feel extremely comfortable with, with my woman and I'm able to express myself a whole lot better than when I was, you know, in my twenties, but I will say that it, it was not easy. I think men in general, and I think we had a, we kind of discussed maybe not this particular topic, but uh, just, you know, how men express themselves in general um, as men, uh, we tend to, bottle things up and you know when all hell breaks loose and you blow up about a certain topic that's when you when you know when your partner or whoever kind of sees all right something has been building up and what is that and i think uh at least from my perspective my my lady's been real good at identifying those um those red flags and she handles things a whole lot better so from that lens i think it just Depends how comfortable you are with an individual. Not a lot of people, not saying everybody is, but not a lot of people are prone to uh, laying all their cards out on the on the table, you know, so quickly uh, for various reasons. Right. You don't know how long this person potentially could be in your life. You don't want to let your guard down, whatever your reason is. And I just feel like, you know, you have to be ready as an individual. So I think once you get to that point and you, there's comfortability and just you just feel like you can express yourself uh, on a different level with an individual, I think that's that's great. And that's that's a beautiful thing, uh, especially if somebody knows you so well that you don't even have to say anything for her to her, him, whatever the situation is to to kind of have your back or kind of know how to deal with things. And I think those those perspectives, those are tight for the long term relationship for those that put the time in to get there, to be able to to offer that type of uh, vulnerability within the relationship. I guess my as I look from afar, the challenge I have is 
for those that are dating representatives, for those that they know they're dealing with, a, you're, I can't say you know, but there's a person out there you're interacting with and they're intentionally just staying away from the tough subjects. When does, the, when does that time come for you to kind of start discovering? Listen, in, I think in this generation we have, we have a lot of people that uh, maybe slip out quick you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of physical interaction before there's deep mental stimulation, things of that nature. So when do we start getting ahead of that? Or is it even possible? Hey, listen, man, listen, listen. So, yeah, it's possible, depending on the person. But my opinion, my thoughts are best foot forward. If you're dating, you always put your best foot forward. You know you're there for something. You know you want something. The best way to get what you want is to have that, as you say, representative, right? Uh, there's a few things that as I was growing up that I was talk you're not supposed to talk about on dates, religion, um, politics, all this other stuff, right? That may have like expanded over the generations, but I think that once you pass that point of third or fourth, possibly fifth uh, date, and you realize that hopefully this is turning into something that's going to be a actual full out relationship, um, I think that's when those conversations actually start happening because you're spending possibly more time with that person, um, whether you're staying with them at their house from time to time or not, but you're seeing more of them. They're exposing themselves more vice just going out for an evening or hanging out for a day. Like you're seeing what they actually or who they actually are as a whole. But if you don't feel comfortable with them or what they are showing or presenting to you in those initial dating phases, then it's always on you to say, you know what, I don't think this is going to evolve or go any further. Maybe I should just, you know, unless you can give me more, I'm going to gracefully bow out of this and, and, and see what my other options are out there in the world. That's my opinion. Man, that's that's a real thin line between love and hate. Type. Step away from the wrong one, you're getting cut. I guess, but I mean, I like to think that like, my crazy is almost instantaneous. Like you meet me, you know, either I'm crazy or I'm cool. Like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't like to think that I should code anything, but I feel like that should be a quality that is apparent for everyone. If your intention is actually to get to know someone in a relationship, then that means that you have to be willing to open yourself up to questions and provide answers and actually let them know you don't do the as you guys call it surface conversations go in there hey how many kids you got you been in an abusive relationship okay cool <laughs> you got any daddy issues no you don't all right we good and i bet your old lady and i'm confident you catfished her no way ain't no fucking way no way she says to this day i was crazy when i met her but it is what it is we got it i'm just saying like i'm just think, like i'm just saying this look let's look at this right let's just be honest what like, if you go on the first date and you ask someone uh male or female what have you hey you know, how many kids do you have? Have you been in an abusive relationship? Um, do you have any STDs? That, that that might be an awkward conversation, but what's the worst they can say? Like, like they're going to give you the answer or they're not. They're going to either stay or they're going to leave. Like, if you want the answers, then ask well, the those, fucking question. first two questions are common, though. Correct. I believe that, yes. That third one you shouldn't have to ask. That's suspect. <laughs> hey, listen, well, all, I'm, all I'm saying is... All I'm saying is, you should be... I don't know where, where you've been trying to meet people. Nowhere. I'm retired. But what I, all, I'm, all I'm saying is, 
All I'm saying is if you have already identified, all I'm saying is if you are already identified what you want to know, then there's really no, there's nothing stopping you from asking. It's just them determining if they want to answer it or not. And if you can get those answers up front on that first or second date, then the answer is, is easy, right? The answer is, you know, maybe this is something we can build off of because they're willing to provide me an answer. It might not be the correct answer. I don't know. I have to put more time in it, but they're willing to provide me some kind of information on a look into who they are in theory. Yeah, that's a, that's a really raw, vulnerable place to be with, uh, to be in for somebody you had the cheesecake right factory. Hey man, you 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 said you want to know. You wanted to know like this dating situation when you know that's what you said you want to know. So I mean, if you if you want to know it off the back, then ask it off the back. If you don't care, then just keep it moving. I don't, I'm I'm gonna ask you the question yeah. and then I'm gonna take a piece of the cheesecake and we're gonna keep it moving. See, but I don't know how to, I don't know how those conversations go in 2020. I mean, they yeah. go over, they go virtually uh, over 2020. Right Virtually, right now you don't have to ask the question about kids. Yeah, you don't have to ask a lot of things. About thirty-five years. You don't have to ask a lot of things, but when you when you find out that her mom is only like thirty-four, you're like, oh shit. Well, let me. (laughs) And you a grandma? Okay, cool, got it. See, I still want to know where you're going because I'm some wild situations. No, I mean, I, I mean, I guess, um, Vic, but just to be honest, like the conversation that we had the other day, you've already addressed the fact that I say things or ask things that most people wouldn't because I have a certain level of comfort or whatever that is. So I, th- there's nothing stopping someone from starting these awkward conversations to get what they're looking for. No, I think you're right. The word right. you is, is audacity. You might be right. I think what Wayne was talking about earlier, when you meet somebody's representative, that representative is what keeps, I don't want to say, it's a, it's a cordial conversation. Which is, oh yeah. And you're, yeah, you're, you're looking at how you're going to appease the other person without losing too much of yourself, right? So in my mind, I'm not going to go up and, and just start the, the conversation off saying, you know, X, Y, Z, crazy comments and questions. How many STDs have you had? How many kids do you have? Oh, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, that's All not seven. that's not gonna be initiated through the first. But if you're already in a vibe and y'all asking questions and talking and stuff, I don't see why you can't slip one. I mean, the STD is a little bit extreme, but right, okay. <laughs> but also asking the questions, the how genuine you are, how how you you pose the question, your amount of. I'm at a loss for words right now, but basically, if you come at the question, if you come at the question and ask it like an asshole, you're going to get treated that way. Correct. So, so that, so, uh, so all you're saying to me is that questions can be asked. They just have to be asked the right way in the right time at the right moment in the right circumstance. But the question is, when, when, when do we decide what that right? situation right moment right circumstances because again if we're saying that you know how do people discuss mental health when dating well when are you going to decide that you're willing to or you want to know about the mental health of the person that you are dating is it the first date is it the fifth date is this like what when i want to know before i catch feelings well we don't know when that we don't know the number so you just need to make sure you you hey correct I think I it comes think- down to the, the familiarity that you develop, right? And and what I mean by that is you don't just go up and walk and say, you know what, hey, I think you're cute. What's your bra size? 
Well, damn, bro. I mean, I, I mean, I you can I probably mean, gauge that visually. Be able to tell by now. Yeah, you can gauge that visually. <laughs> oh, she she a double D. Got time, her. Man, like those some like over time, that yep. question is gonna come up, or you're gonna find out, or what have you, right? Like, there's a different familiarity there. Correct. Now I'm gonna just be honest with you. Okay. Now I I, I understand that the uh, STD question was on a high, really far to the right spectrum, right? But when I sit down and listen okay. to your question, all right, that the 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 brawl size question, I I'd never asked that, but I probably wouldn't like I don't know if I wouldn't ask the STD question, but like that's something you would probably want to know. Like, I mean, let's just be honest. If you're getting in a relationship and you're gonna have sex in some time and point in that relationship, uh that's something that should be good to know. Like I'm not I mean, yes, it shouldn't be known in the first day. Hopefully y'all not fucking the first date, but if you are, I mean good luck, you know, good on you. But I, I see where you all are going, but I'm just trying to get to the to the quick point, like when, like when is the time that you would initiate that? And when would you feel comfortable? Because again, it's a, it's a simple discussion. These are things that we're saying that we should know or we rate to know if we're going to continue this. So the only awkward part of this is how we bring it up and when we bring it up. And, and that's what I'm saying. And I think that's the more comfortable where my mind you become is. with your partner, the less awkward it's going to be. Correct. But the, the, the distinction that we're talking about is because when we talked... Ego, Ego, Ego <laughs> mentioned marriage, which is cool. We get that. But if you're married, you should already know those things, right? We're talking dating and we're talking dating in a very, a very unclear level. Okay. Are we talking, we've been dating for a month. Are we talking, we've been dating for three months. Like, what does that look like? Because in essence, we can say that if we've been dating, if we've been dating for two to three months, we would know or should already know these things. But if the question is, how do you discuss mental health again when would you think that you would feel comfortable in discussing it is what i'm trying to get to goes with how comfortable you are with that person correct like if you don't feel a vibe that's some personal shit, and i don't think i'm gonna share it with you correct so in theory that that time frame could be undefined it could be early or it could be late it just depends on the person and the vibe right so there now, you go. Back to your STD question. <laughs> God damn. If you're if you're burning, <laughs> then you know that they didn't tell you something. Hey, but you would want to know that possibility of burning before you go ahead into the fucking. I would say <laughs> when you're talking somebody's mental health, mental that health, is, whether it be uh, something that that you consider light or or in depth, you know, whether it's past trauma in a an abusive relationship, it could be a past rape issue it could be there could be a lot of things that are going on that 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 person's dealing with internally right and you can ask the question and that and that person may still not feel comfortable telling you for years because they're still dealing with how they're going to process it yeah right they have maybe that person hasn't completely processed everything that happened to them that got them to that point Right. So you, you could be in a relationship for two or three years uh, and, it, and even in some cases married before you even get a glimpse at what's happened to that person in the past. Now, things like schizophrenia and things like that, uh, I believe those have a history in the family. Right. Dementia, Alzheimer's disease, like those are those are historical. Mm -hmm. You can. Even if you don't jump out and say, hey, do you think you have this gene or this trait or do you have any of these symptoms? You can still look back at the family bloodline um, and see some of those things and prepare yourself that way. But as far as 
uh, abusive type situations or uh, different mental anguish that the the human being is going through. There's there's never really a a right or wrong time. I don't think. I think there's more appropriate or inappropriate, inappropriate times. And that's that's what I was trying to allude to. I was trying to allude to the fact there's there's no real time. Like if you choose or if you if there is a situation posed and mental health comes up and the two of you are free or are willing to talk about it freely, then good. You're in there, right? But if if it's a discussion that gets pushed to the side or, or not dressed, then you could choose to, you know what, I'm gonna leave it alone until this person is ready to speak to me. And again, like you said, that could be one year, two years, that could be five years into marriage. It depends on you and it depends on them. So that conversation of us knowing when it's the proper moment to discuss those things in dating, it, it's it's not in essence as black and or black or white. Cause you're, you're, there's going to be, if you are really feeling this person, you want to be with this person, there's going to be a room for adjust. So maybe you won't find out those mental health issues. If there are any down the line, you won't find that out immediately. You can find it out down the line, but then the other flip or the other side of that coin is, well, when do you think you would be comfortable addressing some of that stuff? And you've already given us a example of, of your current situation, right? Um, but what we don't know is the backstory. We don't know how long you have been with that person. What do they know about you? Um, how long have they known you? Can they correspond with some of the experiences that you had? Because a lot of that plays into what makes you comfortable with opening up to them. It also plays into what makes them comfortable or easy to help facilitate some of the concerns or considerations that are needed in dealing with certain situations. I feel you. In my mind, like the honest answer for me, and again, why I'm I'm playing devil's advocate is during dating phase, that couple month or year or whatever that looks like, I'm probably not talking about mental health. I just, I, I, I don't know. Probably not. You're willing to accept it, whatever, whatever it may be, you're willing to accept it. And, I'm, I'm, I, I'm saying that, that I get it. I'm saying that if I'm in the, if I'm in a relationship and we are, we have that connection and we're vibing and I pose the question or the situation comes up and my partner isn't willing to talk about it. I've already invested my time. I've already invested my emotions. I'm already in there. The question becomes for me is, do I want to stick around or is this something that I can't live with? And I think at that point, most of the time is like, you know what? I'm here. Like, I'm happy with this person. I, I'm, I'm good. If there is something that she believes she needs me to know about her mental health, um, she will tell me in her own time. And I will probably wait for that time. That is a respectable statement from you. Appreciate it. We got any other closing statements or anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> nah, man. I think it was a real Not good a, one. I guess. Yeah. I guess it's real good. And I look like a fucking monster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you, you went on about them STDs for a minute. No, you no. I brought that up one time. You and Ego brought it back up to some old man, them STDs. Sound like you had some very uh listen a hard past. Whatever. Usher Jr. over here. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Let it just let it burn. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, um It is what it is, brother. This this I mean this has been a good hey, one. Man, I appreciate the opportunity to converse with y'all fellas tonight, man. Thank y'all. No, we appreciate you actually joining us and actually allowing us to get some of that wisdom. We actually went over our usual time. We usually only do forty five minutes to an hour, but we, we held on today. Hell yeah. So uh with that hey, being, when, when we gonna get you back on with us? Hey man, I'm a text call DM away, man. So that just means it's on us. Yep. It means Marcus gonna draft up a contract. Nah, but all 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 of all the way around, man. It was good hearing from me. Hey, 
Glad you made I, I got to do better with communicating, man. I know your number. That's true. I I knew your number. That's true. I wanted to say that, but I didn't want to come off as an asshole. <laughs> nah. Uh, I'm surprised. You know, that's the first time you held back on you being you. Hey, listen. I, I Listen, I'm a firm believer of me being me. I think my parents put that in me. I was about yeah. to say, at this point in the podcast, though, for you to be putting your representative on is a little late. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so yeah, for me, for no, for me, it's no point. Like, I went in here 100% raw day one. So, I, if I if I say some nice shit right now, if I say some nice shit right now, people are gonna be like, that's a fucking lie. I think we all been ourselves on this thing, man. You heard them? Heard crickets? Silence is not Cricket. That's what I'm saying. That's what them crickets. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, then I'm gonna I'm close this off. So this is uh Demarcus Black signing out for Talk Nine with uh. Vic Damone. I appreciate y'all. Thanks for coming out. God bless. Good night. All right. DB. Thanks, DB. I appreciate it. Wayne, I appreciate your uh, words of wisdom. All right. Wayne. All right, fellas. It's been a good run. Until next time. All right. I appreciate it. And uh, good night to everyone and, and good luck.